Now, I promise I had a really funny and helpful introduction that was engaging and eases everybody up. And like in the first few minutes is like, oh, I'm ready to listen to this. Um, but we don't have time for that. So I'm going to cut all that. All right. <laughs> Thank you for quasi laughing. It was kind of funny. Um, now, Matthew is one of the original 12, one of the original 12 disciples. And he sort of shapes his gospel account here, the entire book of Matthew, around five speeches, five discourses or sections of teaching. And this particular section in Matthew 25, which is 24 and 25, this whole section comes from what is called the Olivet Discourse. Because it happens that they were on the Mount of Olives overlooking Jerusalem as he began to teach them. So that's sort of where they are. This is a part of that discussion, that fifth and last section in Matthew. And in the section immediately preceding our passage today, Jesus has just told what's called the parable of the talents. The parable of the talents where the master's servants were given different amounts, one, two, and five talents, to take care of, to steward while the master was away on a trip. And then Jesus talks about how the master returned and demanded an accounting for what they had done with those talents while the master had been gone. So that that sort of parable ends by Jesus saying that those who use their talents well were given more responsibility. Those who used their talents well were praised. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter in the joy of your master. They were given more responsibility and more opportunity to do even more with God's resources. Which makes at least this particular point. <laughs> when it comes to having resources, it isn't about how much you have. It's about how much you do with how much you have. Some people feel guilty for having a lot. Some people feel shamed and and not like they're whole or good enough because they don't have enough. None of that matters in God's economy, friends. When it comes to having resources, it isn't about how much you have. It's about how much you do with how much you have. And in this section today in Matthew 25, Jesus continues that theme, continues that theme from the parable of the talents of what we do with our resources. But this section focuses a little more specifically on the sort of material and financial resources that we have as tools to empower those in need. Financial material resources as tools to empower those in need. And we're going to make this basic point today. Just tell you up front. Straightforward, simple, easy to understand message today. Those who have been served by Jesus serve like Jesus. Those who have been served by Jesus understand that. Know what they have in the cross. Know what it means for eternal, infinite, holy, perfect God of the universe to lower himself to serve us. Those who understand what the incarnation means, those who have been served by Jesus, serve like Jesus. Jump in at verse 31. Where Jesus, speaking, says this, When the Son of Man comes in his glory... We'll make a point about that in just a second here. And all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. 
Press pause on verse 31 here for a bit. It says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. In other words, when Jesus returns, second coming, to judge all the nations, it's going to be with power, it's going to be with might, and it's going to be with strength. It's going to be what Scripture calls here a coming in glory. Now, Matthew is drawing a pretty sharp distinction, a sharp contrast to Jesus' earthly ministry. We, we know from Scripture that his earthly ministry has been marked by lowliness and humility and, and service. It was not a ministry of glory in the sense that's described here. For example, just a few chapters earlier here, Matthew reports Jesus as saying, Mark says the same thing, that he came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Philippians 2, 7 to 8, we'll put this on screen, says this, Christ emptied himself, Christ emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus' ministry was marked by lowliness and service and humility. He spoke of it in Luke 4 as, as a call, as a purpose of preaching the good news to the poor, to those who understood their need for a Savior. So his first coming, his earthly ministry, was one of humility and service. Theologically, we call this um, the incarnation, divinity becoming flesh. Infinity coming into time. Uh, perfection, holiness into messed upness and brokenness of the world. We call this the incarnation, the divine becoming flesh. Divinity becoming flesh. So just think about this for a second. Jesus left what he deserved as creator of the universe, as the perfect, holy, infinite God of the universe who created all that is. He left what he deserved and didn't have to do anything other than enjoy with the Trinity his perfect relationship with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. Jesus could have justifiably stayed there for the rest of eternity and not done anything else. But he left that throne on high, his rightful seat of all power and all authority to come and to serve you. This is radical, radical stuff. No other God in any other religion or spiritual system does anything like that. Only this God. And so, and so this incarnational sort of movement of God to us through Jesus, this motivation of setting aside his power in some sense is something he has done in order to actually empower us. Think about this. Think about how amazing this really is. He has set aside his rightful throne and authority and power that he fully deserves in order to say, I want to come down here at your level, at your brokenness, into your sin, and I want to serve you. That's what incarnation means. 
And his earthly ministry was marked by that kind of, of motivation to serve. And so he came down from glory to serve us. <laughs> now remember that. Put that in your pocket. We'll come back to it later because we're going back to this glory thing, the second coming, not the first one in humility, but the second one in glory and power. Here in 31 to 34 here, Jesus is speaking of that second coming, speaking of the future when he comes from glory in the fullness of power to judge the nations. Pick it up again at verse 31 where it says this. When the Son of Man comes in glory, second time, and all the angels with him, there he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations. And he will separate people one from another as a shepherd, like a shepherd, separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right but the goats on the left. Sheep go to the right, considered the favorable side. Y'all are sheep today. And the left of the goats, sorry, considered sort of for the purposes of this, uh, the non-favorable side. Just, just the story. So, before him he's gathered the nations, separates them right from the left. Then, still future judgment, verse 34, then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father. Blessed as opposed to cursed is what he calls the goats later on. I know some of you are like, well, from your vantage point, we're the right side. I get it. (laughs) Blessed as opposed to cursed. You'll see that contrast later on. So the king will say to those, come, you who are blessed by my father. Inherit. Remember, we talked about adoption last week. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of of the world. So Jesus says, know this, be sure about this. When I return, it's going to be a fullness of power and might and glory. And I'm going to judge the nations. And here's how he knows who goes where. This next section here. Here's, here's how he differentiates. Here's how he knows, at least for the sake of this uh, illustration right here. This is one of the ways he knows. And take that incarnation idea back out of your pocket because now we're going back to the picture of Christ as lowly and humble servant. All right? We've been talking about the future, about glory. Now he's talking about, so in your lives right now, here's, here's what you'll do that will be evidence of how I know where you're going to go when the time comes in the future. Okay? Verse 35. Four. I was hungry and you gave me food. Jesus talking to his own, the sheep on the right. For I was hungry and you gave me food. Thirsty you gave me drink. Stranger you welcomed me. Naked you clothed me. Sick you visited me. Prison and you came to me. In other words, when I was in need, hungry, thirsty, naked, sick, imprisoned, while I was here on earth and in need, walking among you, you came to me, he says. Now, of course, this is... Jesus painting a picture of the future and the present experience for them with an analogy. It's not a historical account, uh, but this is a picture that he's painting. And, and this picture of the future uh, sort of uh, is news to them. Like, wait a second, Jesus. You, I don't remember you being in prison. <laughs> uh, if, if I'd seen it, I would have helped you. Okay. Uh, you remember being Jesus in prison? No, I don't. You remember? No. So they're sitting here listening to Jesus describe this going, I don't know what he's talking about. So, verse 37, keep reading. 
Then the righteous will answer him saying, just like we just kind of questioned there, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you, naked and clothe you, sick or in prison and visit you? So the disciples listening to Jesus teach this here in Matthew must have been like, we don't even know what you're talking about, Jesus. We don't know when we did that. This is one of those typical early disciple clueless moments that we see. So here's where it kicks in. Look at verse 40. The king will answer them. Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. (laughs) Oh. Okay. As as I did that to one of the the least of these, which is a, a phrase for those who are in need. It's just a a way of saying that. As you did it to the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. So at that moment, the disciples, it clicks. And they understand that serving those in need is a way of serving Jesus. Giving back to him what he's given to us. When we serve others, it is tantamount to saying, thank you, Jesus. Every, every time we're doing that, it's like, thank you, Jesus. You may, be, you may be helping someone else, but it's really a thank you, Jesus. Serving those in need is a way of serving Jesus. Because those who have been served by Jesus serve like Jesus. Those who have been served by Jesus serve like Jesus. Proverbs 19.7 says, Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord. And he will repay him for his deed. 1 John 3.17 and 18 says, If anyone has the world's goods and sees a brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, here's the question, how does God's love abide in him? In other words... (laughs) If you understand my love, Jesus is saying to these disciples, if you understand the way that I love you, what really was my motivation in coming down from that power and might and glory to serve you in humility, if you really understand the love that motivated that, you will use what you have, what you call your own, which is really actually mine, to help serve others as I used what's actually mine to serve you. Those who have been served by Jesus. Serve like Jesus. Then he shows the contrast. Starting at verses 41 to 46. He shows the opposite scenario of the response of the, uh, let's just call them stingy goats. He says this, Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed. Remember we talked about the contrast of blessed and cursed. Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, you gave me no food. Thirsty and no drink. Stranger, you didn't welcome. Naked, you didn't clothe. Sick and in prison, you didn't visit me. Then they also will answer, asking that same question, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? He will answer them saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you didn't do it to me. And those, these will go away into eternal punishment, 
but the righteous into eternal life. So this, this picture, uh, this scene is one of future judgment where Jesus returns in power and in glory to judge the nations. This is a reminder to us that we are accountable to serve as we've been served. It's, it's an easy, straightforward message today. <laughs> to bless as we've been blessed. To give as we've been given. We certainly don't earn the kingdom. You can't. can't afford it. We certainly don't earn the kingdom, but once we have it, we are accountable for stewarding it. And according to Jesus here, every person who has ever lived will be called to account for his or her use of the kingdom resources. So until then, Jesus says, until that time, until that day, I want you to think about the now part this way. He says, picture this, imagine this, whatever you have, whenever you use what you have to empower someone who needs what they don't have, you're serving me. Whenever you use what you have to empower someone who needs what they don't have, you're serving me. Think of it like that, he says. Picture it that way. Serving Jesus. People have this misperception about giving to the kingdom and to the local church and and, and to missions, that it's something different than that. But that's their own illusory misunderstanding. It's, It's give to Jesus is what it is. And it's not a way to earn favor, but it is a way to demonstrate that you are favored. For the Christian, it's a way to reflect the love of Jesus to the world. It's a way to empower those who are in need, because those who have been served will serve as they've been served. So during this series, we've been sort of focusing not so much on on, on the questions of like, who is my neighbor or how do I know when I'm supposed to help somebody or, or how do I know when helping is actually hurting, how much is enough, all those kinds of things. Those are not unimportant questions, of course. But if we seek answers to them in the name of so-called wisdom and that that search for answers doesn't actually result in any sort of action, then it doesn't matter what the right answer to all those questions might be. Don't get me wrong, this isn't an argument for being lax and unwise. It's an argument for doing something good and helpful and not having to worry about the results because God will use it in the way that he wants for them and also in you. The farce of giving being primarily about someone else and not also about you is a lie many of us give in to all the time. And it keeps us it keeps us from understanding what it is that Jesus did for us. So our focus in this series is how to neighbor. And to to put it in simple terms, believers in Jesus use what they have to empower someone who needs what they don't have. Selfish goats 
Hoard for self. Faithful sheep give away because they understand what the love of Christ motivated to save them is like. Faithful sheep give away out of the grace that they've experienced in Jesus. Simple as that. If, if we sit constantly wringing our hands about when the time is right <laughs> to step into serving or ministry or racial reconciliation or orphan care or helping the poor or taking whatever that next step of faith or growth for you is or joining Regen. If we sit there wringing our hands constantly about when the time is right, the answer will always be not now. Not today. Listen, when it comes to taking out the trash, future Scott loves taking out the trash. Really, future Scott is amazing. It's... <laughs> it's my present me that doesn't like doing it and that can easily find a thousand reasons why, why then is better than now. God's God, you're not. What are you waiting for? <laughs> are you waiting for the future to have enough to give? To know when to give? To know how to give? That those are the questions those easily, easily, easily because of our insecurities become excuses for present you doing nothing. And that, just simple terms, doesn't reflect the heart of God to go from glory to humility to serve you. Something is better than nothing. And now is better than never. We sit around waiting for all the perfections to, to line up before we decide to be faithful. If you don't know anybody around you who has needs, you aren't looking. And you're letting future you keep present you from faithful engagement in empowering the poor around you. Because friends, those who have been served by Jesus serve like Jesus. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are forever grateful for your mercies that are new, for the depths of your love and grace that continue to be discovered by us from day to day as we realize afresh how you've empowered us to have what we could never earn, to experience the love and mercy and grace that comes from you that we have rebelled against, turned down, and said, no thanks, I've got this. Father, forgive us. Give us clarity. Help us to see ourselves rightly. Help us as a result of who you are and what you've done for us to see our life's resources in your larger economy of your plan for your glory and for our joy. We ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.